0: a great way to come into the presence of the Lord for prayer tonight thinking of the unfailing never ending never exhausting love of God for you let's bow tonight in his presence oh Lord our Lord How excellent is your name in all the earth. By your love, your power, and your grace, you have made available to us an amazing kind and quality of life to all who would put their trust in you. We put our trust in you tonight. Would you tonight remind us anew and again of the kind of life you give to us? remind us again that we are called for your kingdom purpose, that we are loved by our Father God with an everlasting love, that we are kept by his Son, who is our Lord, Jesus the Christ, that we are cleansed and filled and empowered by and with your Holy Spirit, that we have available now a wonderful life of holiness and love, mercy and peace in Christ Jesus. And that we have a powerful, joyful, fulfilling life today through He who is the way, the truth, and the life for us to know your love. And so tonight we ask as we stand before you where faith is struggling, would you make it secure? Where hope is fading, would you make it bright? Where weakness is prevailing, would you show your strength? Where life has become dull, make it shine in the light of your glory and your love. For tonight, Lord, this is the desire of our hearts. And I pray for all of us in this room tonight that you would grant this amazing life to us in Christ Jesus. And let us be a people of your love. In and through your name we pray. Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Before he skips out on us tonight, would you give a, a hand of thank you and applause of gratitude for David Abrego and his ministry to us this year. Thank you. And at this time, we, you know, we've had some great services this week. Who's been here every night? Okay, you guys have been well-fed, haven't you? You've had a banquet, a spiritual delight. And we've, we've batted around. If we had a ball team up here, we've batted around the order. Now we've got the cleanup guy coming up. And you know, it's going to be good, right? Somebody, amen. It's okay. Don't make me hold the sign up. All right. Reverend Will Mackey, my brother in Christ, come and share with us God's word tonight.
1: Hello, everyone. We're working in Matthew chapter 18 tonight. Matthew chapter 18. Have you spent much time thinking about what it would be like in a perfect world? You know, pre sin. Um, What would it be like? What would you be like? What would relationships be like? I have to confess, every time I try to think those deep thoughts, my mind wanders. And I start thinking of silly answers to that question. You know, like, it would be a perfect world if the government paid us taxes, you know? That kind of thing, yeah. You want to hear my top three? Okay. Number three. Every child at all times when they get in the car they fall asleep that's a perfect world right yes 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 number two outlaw all honeydew lists that's a perfect world yes amen men do I hear that oh yeah oh yeah I got a raised hand back there my number one My number one silly thought of what it would be like in a perfect world, for every pound of chocolate we eat, we lose 10 pounds. Yeah, that is perfect world right there. That's it right there. Yeah. You know, it didn't take me very long in the early years of ministry for me to realize that, um, boy, we don't live in a perfect world. I must confess, I probably entered ministry a little naive, uh, had an opportunity to be a part of some good churches, and yeah, I saw some, some little difficulties, but it just never seemed to stick with me. So I went into ministry thinking, you know, of course, everyone is glad to have me there. Everybody uh, is impressed with me, and every, who wouldn't want to follow me, and you know, all of that kind of stuff, but well, it wasn't long into ministry, and I realized how imperfect The world really is. Um, A lot of imperfect people, uh, myself included, uh, as well as um, a lot of imperfect situations. In ministry, it's really interesting because especially even in the church, the church is an exempt from this imperfection and the kinds of situations that come from it. In the church and in ministry, in the kingdom, in the larger community, in the kingdom work, as you're working, you're running and working with people from different backgrounds, from different levels of understanding, some with no understanding, some with good understanding, some with bad understanding that they think is good understanding, and, and on and on. You know, you're dealing with different maturity levels. You're, different, you're dealing with different uh, motives in ministry and what they want to accomplish. You're dealing with different goals that they bring to the kingdom and they bring to certain projects. In my 30 years of ministry, I know you what you're thinking. There's no way that guy's that old. It's true. 30 years of ministry. In my 30 years of ministry, I have run into so many different situations. I have met with indifference, quiet indifference. I've met with noisy indifference. I've met with threats, physical threats, Uh, Other kinds of threats. I've met with slander and gossip galore. Probably the number one thing that I've met up against. Slander, gossip. I've met with lies told about me. I've met with uh, organized attempts to get rid of me over the years. Now, I don't want to paint a super negative picture because by far, the positive far outweighed the negative. But you know, you have a way of looking at those negatives. And if you're not careful, the negatives can stick with you. If you're not careful, the negatives can do some damage in you if you let them. I had to learn early on in ministry a process. A process that could protect me on the inside. A process that could protect me as you face as I face these kinds of things and all of these different scenarios and all of these different things. Sometimes leaders get in the crossfire of that. And sometimes great offenses are given toward that leader and to others. And I had to learn early on that I had to understand a process through which that I could go through each and every time those offenses came that would keep the offense from sticking inside, from hurting me on the inside, from injuring me on the inside, from keeping me from being able to go back out the next day and to serve with love Keeping me from the ability to go back out the next day and serve and still trust people, still care about people, still serve people, still cooperate with people, still work together with people, still believe in people, and still believe in the mission at hand. That process has become very precious to me over the years. And you know what I'm talking about. You know very well that the world is not perfect. And you no doubt have been through some of those kinds of situations. Your training... For ministry, your training in leadership. Some of you are already in leadership, some of you are going to be in leadership soon. And so, I, I want to help you with something tonight. I want to give you some incredible insight from the Word, something I was taught a lot of years ago, and something that has served me well every year that I've served. I want to show you that process. You're going to serve in situations. And you know the truth is there are times you're going to be offended and then there are times you're going to be the offender. It works that way, doesn't it? We're imperfect people in that manner. The kingdom of God is not exempt from that and you're going to find yourself in the crosshair. But before we get started, I want to kind of set some parameters, okay? I don't want to talk about the extreme situations on either side, like the lesser extreme. The lesser extreme would be, you know, there are times when in ministry, and you're working, and personalities just clash. You know, you just, you, know you, you just don't have a good feel for that person's personality. It doesn't cooperate. They're an extrovert, you're an introvert, vice versa, you know, and you just don't feel good. They may be a little curt with you. They didn't shake your hand and all that stuff. I don't want to talk about that. You know, sometimes in ministry, well, all the time in ministry, you and I just need to put our big boy and our big girl pants on. You know what? Stop being so sensitive. Keep your eye on the goal. And just put it aside. I don't want to talk about the extreme on the other side either. Because there are times when some offenses are of a very serious nature. In fact, you might even call them of a criminal nature. And when that begins to happen, a lot more intervention and a lot other elements need to happen into that. To make sure that you heal from that and that that kind of thing doesn't happen again. So I want to talk to us a little bit tonight about that which is kind of right in the middle. Right in the middle. And right in the middle is basically this. When someone does something that God considers a sin, and they do that toward you, you know, that can hurt. You know, that can be devastating. That can, if you're not careful, that can injure you on the inside. And that can injure you so deeply if you're not prepared for that. And if you don't understand the right process to work through to deal with that. To keep that from sticking to you on the inside. That can eventually begin to derail you spiritually. That can eventually begin to interfere with your ministry and your ability, as I said, to love. Your ability to care for people. Your ability to trust people. Your ability to work with people. And if after a while, it will absolutely rob you of your joy. And it will steal your motivation. So what's the process? How do we keep those things that we know are inevitable, how do we keep them from sticking to us on the inside, injuring us, hurting us, and doing damage? I'm glad you asked me that question. Thank you. I want to introduce you to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to read verses 15 through 18, but we're going to look at just verse 15 in the first part of 16. Jesus is teaching. They've been talking about evangelism. They've been talking about God's heart toward the lost. They've been talking about, uh, on the other side of this conversation, about working with believers and how frustrating that is, and about forgiveness and about how many times you should forgive, be willing to forgive. And right in the middle of that wonderful conversation, Jesus gives us both a pattern and a process for working through these kinds of offenses in our life. Verse 15, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again So that everything you may say will be confirmed by two or three witnesses. If that person still refuses to listen, take your case to the church. And if the church decides you are right, but the other person won't accept it, treat that person as a pagan or a corrupt tax collector. I tell you this, whatever you prohibit on earth is prohibited in heaven. And whatever you allow on earth is allowed. In heaven. So let that soak in for a moment. What's the process? What do you take yourself through to keep offenses from hurting you and destroying you on the inside? Can I say to you that this process that you and I are used to reading and looking at as a pattern for reconciliation is also a process that enables inner healing, that enables you to heal as you walk through those things, that enables you uh, to keep your focus, and enables you to elicit the power of God as you walk through those situations. Let me show you a little bit of what I mean. Let's just focus, and I got to tell you right up front, we're not going to get through this passage. I'm not even going to try. I'm not going to be able to answer the question fully, what is this process that'll keep me from being so injured on the inside. But I just want to get you started. I just want to start on a couple of couple segments down the road, and you'll get the idea. And You've got the text in front of you, and you can work with that yourself, okay? But I want to show you what this looks like. This has served me well for so many years. Amen? Amen. Let's look at chapter 18, but verse 15, and the first part of verse 16. There are a couple things I want to help you see here. <clears throat> Let's get 15 in front of us again. If another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. The first thing I would say to you, the first piece of this process is this, and it's not even in the text, but it's around the text. It's in the context before the passage. It's in the context after the passage, and it is this. The first thing when you and I are offended... In other words, remember, it's not the light offense of, you know, hey, uh, somebody looked at me wrong. And it's not the great offense of criminal effect where you need other kinds of intervention. But it's that segment right in the middle where people are approaching ministry with a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different motives, and you get caught in the crossfire. And they choose to do ministry and and to be motivated by ministry and to pattern ministry in a carnal way. And they sin, and that sin is done toward you. What do we do? The first thing that we do, and again, it's not in the verse, but it's before it and it's after it, is this. The first thing we do is this. We start with mercy. We start with mercy. It's all around this passage. We start with mercy. When somebody does this to you, the very first thing that you and I must do, we must do, is we need to take a hold of our heart, take a hold of our mind, and we need to extend mercy to that person as the first thing that we do. It is important. And you know what? that is absolutely healthy for you it is absolutely healthy for you to do that to extend mercy to do that you know that god did that for you and i while we were yet sinners christ died for us you know that god does that even before you were saved you know that god was extending his mercy and his grace we call it prevenient grace god was extending his mercy and his grace toward you long before you ever embraced Him as Savior, long before you even thought of Him uh, uh, in that context, long before you ever thought about praying a prayer of repentance, God extended mercy to you while we were still sinners. This is all we're saying here. As a follower of Christ, filled with God's Spirit, this is the very first thing that you and I need to do. When we are offended by somebody, we must choose to extend mercy to that person. And not only is that good for the reconciliation process, but more importantly tonight, that is so good for you and for me when we do that. That is so good. The offender is more important than the offense that they have done. That's how God sees it. Do you want to see it like God sees it? Are you in partnership with Christ? And we need to teach ourselves how to see it the way Christ sees it. And Christ sees it that that offender is far more important than the offense that that person did towards you. Amen? The goal in this is not you or I. The goal in this, the ultimate goal in this is not somehow proving that I'm right and that person's wrong. The goal in this is not somehow I need revenge or I need to be, this to be made right. The goal in this is that someone has sinned and they've done that sin toward you and your heart aches for that person. And you go, you know what, that person needs Christ or that person needs to get right with Christ so that their soul is in great shape and he and I can partner together in the work of the kingdom. That's the bigger goal of this, right? If that's our goal in this, then we have got to extend mercy first and foremost. And that, again, is the healthiest thing, the healthiest first thing that you and I can do. Number two, look at this, and notice with me in verse 15, notice the word go. Notice the word go. The second thing that we should do, the second piece of this process, is that not only should we extend mercy, but secondly, we... Have got to go. You and I have to be assertive in this process. You and I need to take a lead role in reconciling with the offenders. That make sense? And you know what? Taking the lead role and being assertive at this point in the offense is so healthy for you. It is a healthy thing to do. See, everything in us, I understand, starts to recoil, doesn't it? Everything in us, if somebody does that to us, we emotions begin to, to raise up. And then if we're not careful, we start letting emotions do the leading, don't we? Start telling us what to do, how to think, how to react. We never want to do that, right? So that's what I said. The very first thing you and I need to do is we need to willfully choose mercy and tell God and ask for His help. We're going to extend mercy to that person. But the second thing, the second healthy thing in this process is that you and I need to go. We need to be the assertive one. We need to take a leadership role in this reconciliation. And that alone is healthy for you. Because see, what's natural is, is that we withdraw and then what do we start thinking next? We start feeling like a victim. And we start waiting around for that person to do the right thing. And to come to us and make this right. And when that person does it, what begins to happen? We, or what happens to our emotions? What happens to our mind? What happens to our imagination? We start, it starts to run away with us, doesn't it? And instead of moving toward the solution, instead of moving toward the truth, we start moving further back, don't we? Do you know that God's word says that if you are offended, you are the one who should take the initiative and begin the reconciliation process. And by doing that, you are bringing a healthy peace to you on the inside. Do you know the scriptures also say in Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24, uh, Jesus says, if you're there worshiping and you remember that someone else has something against you, what are you supposed to do? He says, drop your sacrifice, let it go. And before you continue to worship God, you go and you make that right with a brother whom you offended, who has something against you. So in the kingdom of God, whether you're an offender Or whether you're offended, guess what? You are to take the initiative and you are to move toward that person and you are to lead in this reconciliation effort. And that is healthy. That's healthy for you on the inside. Instead of a victim, you will be a victor and you will be following and obeying God. Let's keep looking in that verse for a few more minutes and look at the next word. He says, if another believer sins against you, go, but notice this, go how? Go privately. Go privately. The third thing that you and I need to do as we're working through an offense that has come our way, and the third thing that is absolutely healthy for you on the inside, to keep this offense from sticking to you and corrupting you on the inside and derailing you, is this, as the offended, you and I have the responsibility to protect the reputation of our offender. You and I have the responsibility to protect the reputation of our offender. When the offense happens, we do not go to other people and start telling them about what we've done, or what's happened to us, poor us, playing the victim. We do not do that. The scripture said, Jesus says, when that happens, you're to go privately, just between the two of you. You're not supposed to talk about this. You're not supposed to slander the other person. Is slander and gossip sin? Yes or no? Is slander and gossip still sin, even when you're doing it against a person who just offended you? It is. See, here's the point. How are you going to heal on the inside if immediately after the offense, you start sinning yourself? You're not going to bring God's power into this this situation. You're not going to bring God's healing power into your life when you start to sin, right? The object is that we need to respond the way Christ wants wants us to respond. And as we begin to move toward that person, taking that initiative... And we begin to protect that person's reputation because you know what? Every single person on the face of the other deserves to be heard, to to have an opportunity to explain themselves and their words or their actions without their reputations being publicly smeared. And you know, by doing that, it's absolutely a, a, a healing move for you. You're not only extending mercy, you're not only taking the initiative, you know, now you've taken it upon yourself under the guidance of the holy spirit to protect the reputation of the very person that hurt you and that is powerful that is healthy and there's no way bitterness is going to get a root in you is there there's no way resentment is going to have a place in you is there when you are concerned about protecting them and loving them love protects right And if you love them the way Christ wants you to love them, your first instinct should not be to smear, should not be to harm, should not be to to get revenge, but to protect and to discover what the issue is here and to try to resolve it. We're to protect our offender's reputation. We won't heal if we start to sin. Our emotions rise up within us, I know. They do in everybody. But we never give emotions that lead role, do we? We choose the truth over the emotions. You know what I found over the years? That the more I did that, because the emotions came up inside of me, and in those first few moments of the offense, uh, I don't even want to tell you what crossed my mind. I guess I think that's a part of being human, I hope. If it's not, don't tell me about it. I not want to hear about it. So. But, you know, after you begin to get your senses a little bit, and after you begin to think through that a little bit, and you begin to say, Father, I, I, help me know how to respond to this. It's then when you and I choose. You say, I'm so committed to the truth, God. I want your truth. And if you say to do this, and I trust that you're right, no matter what my emotions are telling me, and you refuse your emotions a lead role, and you choose truth over emotions, and you know what I found? That you do that enough, and pretty soon your emotions will start to reflect the truth that you've chosen. But you are to protect the reputation of your offender. You choose truth over instinct because love protects. How about another one? Let's keep reading in our text. You know, I don't... Oh, there's a... I was going to say, I don't see a clock, but I do now. It's uh, 735. Got it. Okay, here we go. (laughs) If another believer sins against you, we extend mercy. We go, and we go privately. And then notice the next section. And... Point out the fault. Point out the fault. See, it, it, we, we read this wrong sometimes. We we look at that and we go, okay, this is the occasion where I can put my finger in his face and say, "You did this, you rascal, you." But that's not. That's not the heart of the context here. That's not the attitude we go. We've already extended mercy, and we go and we protect his reputation. But look where the focus is. Is the focus on the person and the bad thing? Is the focus on hurting the person, destroying the person, taking them down a notch, teaching them a lesson that they deserve? Is that the focus here? What's the focus? The offense. The offense, the thing that is a sin, first of all, against God, and that was done toward you. You see, that brings you into focus. That allows you not to personalize. That allows you not to to make this a vendetta. This allows you to focus on the right thing and the thing that God wants you to focus on because it is sin. If that sin is dividing you two, then more than likely that sin is also wreaking havoc in his relationship with Christ. And that's the heart. We want to help that person realize how God sees that and help that person repent and make amends with God And then it's very easy for us to begin to work that way, right? That is so healthy for you and I to think like this and to act like this. To not only to extend mercy, not only to go, not only to protect the reputation of the offended, but when we go to go with humility. Paul says in Galatians chapter 6, he says, when you see a brother that's fallen, in humility restore him. In humility, restore him. In humility, lest you fall into the same sin. See, when we're going and when we're pointing out that sin, when we're wanting to dialogue about that sin, you know what? We're not going to point fingers. We're not going to accuse. We're going with hearts filled of love because that sin is, is wreaking havoc in his relationship with Christ and that sin has now wreaking havoc in his, in his uh, horizontal relationships. And we... Want to help get that sin out of the way, so the focus is there, and we gently begin to try to restore. And you know what? By doing that, by keeping your focus there instead of on them, that's very, very healthy for you. That keeps that offense from sticking to you and doing wreaking havoc on the inside of you. Are are you following? Is this making sense? See, we're used to look at this as a pattern. Sure, it is, but it's a process. And it's one that if you will obey and you will walk through this with the Lord, His strength will help you. And I promise you, these offenses and the things that normally hurt and distract and destroy will not stick to you on the inside. And you'll begin to heal. You'll begin to be able to offer grace and forgiveness if if repentance is given. And you'll begin to wake up the next day and go out there and serve with a clean heart. And with excitement about the kingdom of God and a great love for people and the ability to trust people and those kinds of things. But if you do not walk through a good process and you let that touch you on the inside and you let that hurt you on the inside and you play the victim, it will hurt you so bad. You know, some of the recent polls that have come out with pastors, and I I won't get this completely right, but it basically says that when a pastor enters the ministry, 10 years down the road, only 50% of the people who enter ministry here will still be in ministry here. And when you begin to look at the reasons for that, they begin to say things like discouragement and burnout, lost a passion for it, uh, hurt. More times than not, more times than not, From the people that I've talked to, hundreds of pastors over the years, more times than not it's because of these offenses that happen but unfortunately they haven't processed it correctly and they let that get a hold of them and they let that start to poison them and after a while it starts to wreak havoc, first to their spiritual life, then to their ministry life and then to their family life how about one more Again, I told you, we're not going to get all the way through this. I'm not trying. If another person sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. And if the person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. That's the goal, right? Amen? That's the goal. But notice, but if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you. Take one or two others with you. Here's the next healthy piece. To this process. Not only do you start with mercy, not only do you be assertive and go, not only do you protect the offender's reputation, and not only do you keep the focus on the sin and its remedy, but number five, you share the burden with the body of Christ. There is an appropriate time to be doing that. At the very beginning is not the appropriate time. But if this person is not responding, then out of love, not to prove yourself right, not to prove them wrong, not to hurt them in any way. But if you still cannot get resolution on that, Jesus says it is okay now to bring two or three others, one or two others into this. And you know what, though? This is important, i found over the years. In choosing those one or two others, choose one or two others that the offender also respects. Don't just choose your buddies, and know we're going to gang up, and, and you know, we're just going to go tell him and put him in his place. No, no, that's not the approach. That will solve nothing. But when you begin to choose a couple people that you and this person respect, and you know what? Here's the other: Don't tell these one or two people your story yet. Don't taint their thinking. Don't try to get them on your side. That's not integrity. That's not honesty in working through these issues. You just simply say, a brother and I are having a difficulty and we, we can't reconcile on this and we need you to be in prayer and to come and you would help sort this out with us. And then in the presence of all four of you, you begin to tell your side of it and you let that person tell their side and you trust the Spirit of God in His people to help you solve that problem. And could I tell you that this is so healthy for you. So many times the damage done in us is because we hold it in because we don't share it, because we're embarrassed, or because we think because we're ministers we're not supposed to have problems or what have you. And it's because we hold it in and we stew on it instead of sharing this burden and letting our brothers and sisters share and shoulder that burden with us. There's a way to do that appropriately without slandering or gossiping the person that you're in conflict with. There's several others that I won't mention tonight, but you can keep reading through the passage and you can keep working through that as well. This is a wonderful process. And if followed, I promise you, it will keep you healthy and whole on the inside and fresh and able to serve with love. Now, how do we apply this tonight? I think there are three ways that I would like for you to think in application tonight. Number one, you know somebody. You know somebody who is walking through this kind of situation right now, don't you? You know somebody who has come up to you and said, I'm having this problem at church. I'm having this problem here and there. And you know what? I'm thinking about leaving the church. I'm thinking about stop and break and fill. I'm thinking about all that. You know somebody right now who is probably going through that. And you're here listening to this message and looking at, concentrating on this word so that you can now go and you have something to say to them, right? You can go and you can share this word with them and you can help them understand There's a process for reconciliation, but there's also a process that'll keep it from hurting them on the inside and making them bitter and resentful. A second application tonight might be something like this You were hurt in the past, and you're scarred right now. You're still hurting. You're still affected by something. It might have happened six months ago. It might have happened six years ago. I met somebody not long ago that walked into my office, and I began to talk to her, and she was bawling. And it was something that happened. Somebody, it wasn't inside of our church, but outside of our church, said come in and had hurt her, and she was sobbing so much I could barely understand her. I finally get her settled down and discover that the offense happened nine years earlier. And she was just having this flashback and it tore to pieces. Perhaps you're here tonight and you've been hurt. You've been caught in the crosshairs. The truth is you didn't, you didn't walk through a healthy process and it's hurt you and it's scarred you and it's made you distrustful of people. It's hindered your spiritual walk. It's hindered your ability to love and to trust and to serve and to cooperate with other people and you know it. There is no statue of limitations in the kingdom of God. And you can pray tonight and that may help you a little, but I need to tell you the truth. You are not going to experience the healing on the inside that you want unless you're willing to stand up and start obeying God and start doing what He said to do. As believers, we really don't have the option to to think of our own way to handle this. We're to handle God's, God's way. And when you do that, you will start to feel that healing. And I'm going to pray for you in a moment. And perhaps the third application tonight is that you're walking through that right now. You're walking through it right now. And you, everything inside of you is screaming. And you want so bad to play the victim. You want so bad to lash out. Perhaps you've already gossiped or slandered that person. You've told and shared where you shouldn't have. And you have a decision to make tonight. What are you going to do with that? particular truth you're going to keep down the path of being a victim and keep disobeying or are you going to obey and you're going to do it god's way and experience not only the possible reconciliation but the inner healing that comes with it so i'm going to pray tonight and i'm going to pray a prayer that encompasses all three and wherever you're at in that jump in the prayer at that point okay and do business with god on that talk this out with him and don't be afraid to leave this place and obey Him. You know, there's a, a misnomer in the kingdom of God. We, we, we focus so much on worship, and that is a good thing to focus on. We focus so much on worship to the point where we think God's power, the main part of God's power comes in a worship service. Because that's when our emotions are at their height. But can I tell you, I've learned over the years that the most important pieces of God's power do not come in worship service. They come in the trenches. They come in the trenches when everything in your environment, in your situation, and even in your emotional base is screaming one thing. But the believer knows the word and the believer trusts God and His word. And that believer begins to obey when everything else is screaming at him. Do not obey. And in that moment of obedience and in that next moment of obedience and in those, those days of continual obedience, the power of God comes on that situation and on that individual and works miracles. That's when the power of God is at its best in our lives. Heavenly Father, tonight, thank you for your word. Thank you for the words that your son spoke this many years ago. And thank you that we have a record of them and that we can understand these things. Tonight, Father, I pray for the person who knows someone. I pray for the person who knows someone right now who's going through that. I pray that you will lead them to encourage their brother or sister. To teach them the word, to share with them this passage and to talk this passage through with them. And to encourage them to obey and to walk in the light of this passage. Not only for the sake of the relationship, but also for the sake of the personal health, personal spiritual health of their lives. Father, tonight I pray for the person who may be here tonight who has gone through this and did not make the right choices after it. Instead of extending mercy, they extended hatred. Instead of going, they sat and waited and got only matter. Instead of protecting the reputation of their offender, they slandered and gossiped and began to sin themselves, which just made the situation worse and continued that downward spiritual spiral. Instead of addressing the sin, they blamed the person and villainized them. And instead of sharing the burden For the purpose of answers, again, they gossip and they slander and they try to get people on their side. And they're here tonight, God, and the first thing out of their mouth needs to be an apology to you. A prayer of repentance, apologizing for doing it wrong, apologizing for disobeying, apologizing for making a situation worse when all you wanted to do is use them. Uh, to minister to that person. And I pray, God, that you'll give them boldness and strength tonight to make that apology to you, to repent of that, to receive your forgiveness, and then to begin to cooperate with you and to obey you as you walk them through the process, as you walk them through obedience to your word. And Father, tonight I pray for the person who's experiencing this right now and they have some choices to make this very hour. I pray that you will strengthen them and enable them to obey you. Enable them to choose your way instead of what seems right to them. To choose your truth instead of the advice of their friends and family. I pray, God, that they would have the boldness to walk in your light even if it feels uncomfortable, even if it seems um, unpopular, but they would choose you. Give them that strength tonight. Lord, we love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I think we are dismissed this evening. God bless.